You're listening to Trademarks Made Easy. Trademarks Made Easy is the podcast focused on helping brand owners in the e-commerce space. With your host, Susie Hickson, the private label lawyer. But don't worry, you won't find too much legalese here. Well, hey there. I'm your host, Susie Hickson, also known as the private label lawyer. In this episode, I'm going to discuss a really important subject right now, something I get asked about all the time. Should I protect my trademark in China? Well, I'm going to give you five solid reasons, plus a bonus reason, and some tips for protecting your trademark in China in this podcast. So, you ready? Well, here we go. So, I get asked this question quite often. Should I protect my trademark in China? Well, there are several reasons for considering this. First of all, the market in China is huge. It's one of the biggest markets in the world with a strong consumption power by huge population. More and more international companies are attaching importance to the Chinese market, and you perhaps should do the same. And they're selling their products in China. When selling products in this huge Chinese market or doing business in China, having a registered Chinese trademark at hand will help your company much more easily enter the Chinese market. Also, China has the first-to-file system, and this is unlike the U.S. There are no quote-unquote use requirements in China like there is in the U.S., Therefore, companies should first file trademark applications in China before even doing business there so as to avoid their trademark getting registered by others. If the trademark has already been registered by any other Chinese parties or foreign parties, especially competitors, then it's going to be really challenging for the true or legitimate brand owner to actually own the trademark in China. Because in the future, that registrant can legally prevent the true brand owner from using the trademark in the Chinese market and can even sue for some type of compensation. Now, another reason I think it's really important to consider filing for trademark in China right now is that e-commerce is becoming increasingly popular in China and many people are buying their products online from platforms such as Alibaba and Taobao. It's not just about Amazon. And you must provide your Chinese registered trademark when putting your products for sale on these very famous Chinese platforms. Now, the fourth reason is to prevent counterfeiters. I'll state the obvious here. Counterfeiting in China is a pretty big problem. When you find counterfeited products with your brand sold online or offline, you obviously want recourse. And as an important first step, you must first show your Chinese trademark registration when filing any types of complaints in China, especially for any type of rating actions. The fifth reason it's super important to consider filing for trademark protection in China is for customs. 
If you want to protect your brand in China, you can request Chinese custom protections. However, the first step to request Chinese custom protections is that you must provide your Chinese registered trademark, just like in the U.S. So when you file with Chinese customs, similar products with your registered Chinese trademark labeled will be seized by Chinese customs on import or export. Another problem that could arise is that your competitor, after registering your trademark, can also file. For Chinese customs protections, if this happens, your products may also be seized by Chinese customs when importing or exporting by using your trademark, even though it's now registered by another company in China. And again, perhaps it could be a competitor. And then my bonus reason for thinking about Chinese trademark registration. Is you have to think about all of those bad faith registrations that are out there, because China adopts this first to file system. We've encountered a lot of really bad faith registration situations. For example, I've seen situations where a client has negotiated to do business with their Chinese business partner before filing the trademark application in China, and then that Chinese partner immediately files. The trademark that is supposed to be their partner in the U.S. and that preempts the rightful owner, and at that point, the rightful owner is going to encounter many obstacles in the Chinese market, such as, like I mentioned before, having the products seized by Chinese customs. So there are some amendments that are going to take place in China's trademark law starting on about November first of twenty nineteen, and. Hopefully, these changes are going to bring a lot of smiles to trademark owners throughout the U.S. But of course, nothing's a slam dunk when it comes to China or any type of trademark protection. Probably, this could be a result of some of the current U.S. administration's pressure on IP protection in China and these ongoing trade disputes. But we're not really sure. The Chinese Trademark Office is really. Trying to get a little more mainstream in terms of addressing malicious applications and invalidating registrations when the registrant really has no intention or legitimate ownership claims to that trademark. To deter the activity before it starts and to punish it when it occurs, the Chinese Trademark Office is also getting. The power to impose fines against bad faith filers and their agents. Now, also, infringement can be deterred by making these malicious infringers subject to one to five times the damages, which is up from three times. So this is significant. And furthermore, to deter malicious plaintiffs who try to extort those who would be the real brand owners, courts are going to be able to impose. Penalties, but at the time of this recording, we really don't know what those penalties are. So while these changes are being celebrated, whether they'll be effective really depends on how the local Chinese authorities elect to apply these new laws or these new rules. So will infringers really be deterred by higher damages if they weren't already determined by the threat of I considered sizable damages in the first place? And it's it, this is really something that remains to be seen. 
ultimately, it does look like China is trying to take some good faith steps in the right direction. So that's maybe another reason to go ahead and consider filing these trademarks in China. It's going to likely take years, however, and there's going to be a major need for super aggressive steps to change that infringement and extortion culture that kind of exists in this already large community of bad faith filers and infringers. So brand owners need to have that arsenal of trademark registrations and where appropriate, well-known protections for globally significant marks to take on the parties in China or elsewhere. As for domestic filing, that is directly filing in China, or internationally filing that is designating China via the Madrid Protocol, I really suggest that people consider filing directly in China in most instances. I do get asked this a lot. Should I file directly in China? That's called a domestic filing. Or should I file via the Madrid? Now, there's always exceptions to exceptions. But here are some things that I think we should all consider. If you do file via the Madrid Protocol and then you designate China, if your basic applications refuse, then keep in mind that the whole international filing designating China could be lost. So you might have to start over. And of course, time is of the essence, it seems like, in China. Also, you can obtain a formal trademark registration certificate only when you do that domestic filing in China, and that is direct to file in China. However, if you go via the Madrid Protocol route, you're not going to obtain anything. The Chinese Trademark Office will just record the registration status for international filing, but not actively issue any type of registration certificate. If you request the Chinese Trademark Office to issue a registration certificate in this instance, if you do the international trademark filing route via the Madrid Protocol, then the cost for international filing designating China is going to end up being higher than the cost for domestic filing because there's no cost to receive the trademark registration certificate for the domestic filing, but there will be if you go via Madrid. So at the end of the day, the costs really are so closely related that in most instances, it does make sense just to file directly in China. Of course, like I've said, there's always exceptions to exceptions. The duration of your trademark in China is 10 years, and it's calculated from the date of registration, and its term is renewable for another 10 years until the term expires. There's really no limitation on the times for renewal, just like in the U.S. So a trademark can last a really long time as long as the registrant continues to pay renewal fees each time that expiration date comes up. However, if a trademark is not in use for a period of three years, consecutive three years, it could be subject to cancellation for non-use. Use of a trademark includes its use on goods, packages, or containers, or on trading documents, and use in advertising, exhibitions, and in other activities which can effectively prevent the trademark from being subject to cancellation attack. So generally speaking, a trademark application in China will go through sort of that complex robust examination procedure similar to in the U.S. There is a preliminary examination and a substantive examination in which 
office actions can be issued. There's also a publication period, and in China, as a, it's three months as opposed to 30 days in the U.S. The revised Chinese trademark law has set a nine-month time window from filing the application until receiving the trademark registration certificate or the refusal notice. And again, China does adopt that very strict first-to-file rule for obtaining trademark rights. The first-to-file an application in trademark will preempt all other later filed applications for the same trademark. Where an application to register a trademark has been rejected due to its identity or similarity to a previously filed trademark application in China, evidence of prior use will not be helpful for the purposes of challenging the registration. Unless that trademark is proved to be well-known, of course, famous under the Paris Convention. And that can sometimes be hard to prove. It's a little subjective. Since no pre-file use is required in China, some bad faith registrations are bound to happen and we're, we're seeing it every day. So the trademark owner shall attach importance to making the first to file before putting their brands to use in China. This is really important. Now, one thing I want people to also think about when when they're considering China filing is that China strictly adopts the NICE classification system. So when you're preparing your goods for filing in China, the applicant really needs to strictly follow the NICE classification language, and this will avoid unnecessary office actions on the specification of the goods. And we'll provide a link to the NICE classification in the show notes. Convention priority, if you are going via the Madrid Protocol to file in China, is within six months. So you must file within six months. The certified priority document must be submitted within three months from the date of filing in China. However, the information such as the application number, application in date and country must be provided when filing. So a trademark application can be provisionally refused by the Chinese Trademark Office or the CTO If after examination, it's found that the trademark is devoid of distinctiveness or identical with a prior file trademark. So when a trademark application is refused in China, the applicant can appeal to the Trademark Review and Adjudication Board, and this would be analogous to the U.S.'s Trademark Trial and Appeals Board. So you are given an opportunity to argue around that. If not satisfied with the TRAB or the Trademark Review and Adjudication Board's decision, the applicant can further appeal to the Chinese Intellectual Property Court of the first instance for further judgment, which is even further appealable to the second instance Chinese court where the judgment in that situation would be final. So it can get a little bit convoluted in China. But the good news is that if you are refused registration in China, you are given an opportunity in several instances to appeal. If you're going to be filing in China, there are a few types of documents that you're going to need. You're going to need, of course, instructions to 
your Chinese attorney or your U.S.-based attorney who will work directly with Chinese attorney to actually file the application. And what you'll need to provide would be the applicant's name and the applicant would be the owner, their address and nationality and the designated international class number and the designated goods. Of course, there needs to be an indication of whether color should be designated for the trademark to be filed. And of course, the application date and number and country if you are claiming priority for another trademark application or registration. You'll need to provide trademark specimens or an example of use of the trademark in JPEG format. You'll need to provide a power of attorney duly signed by the applicant. And a scanned photocopy of the duly signed power of attorney would be sufficient and would not be subject to notarization or consularization. So this is, this is a good step, and it's because it just takes out one more thing that you have to do. And you must also provide your certificate of incorporation of the legal entity that would be owning the trademark, assuming it is a legal entity or a business entity that's owning the trademark. If it's individuals that will own the trademark, the passport must be scanned and provided and shown to your Chinese counsel, who will then provide it to the Chinese trademark office. So this is an interesting requirement. And if you don't have a passport, you're going to need to get one if you own the trademark in China as an individual. And any certified priority documents will need to be translated into Chinese. And oftentimes, your Chinese trademark counsel will have this all rolled up. The translation's kind of rolled up into a bundle and will be included in their filing rates. So I do know that this was a lot of information, and I hope that you took notes on Chinese trademark filing. I'm sure that a lot of this information is going to change over the next six months to a year, especially once these new rules get implemented in November of 2019. I suspect that we will end up doing a an update to this information on or about that time because it is constantly evolving. And I would love to know if you are thinking about seeking trademark protection in China. And if you have, I would love to know about whether you have an amazing or interesting or even a horrifying story about your protection in China. I love to know this information because it helps me properly guide people. It helps me properly provide the information to listeners. And of course, it gives you the opportunity to discuss your brand on my podcast. So if you have had an awesome story about your Chinese filing or a horrifying story, let's talk about it. I'd love to know. We obviously all win from learning from the mistakes and the wins of others. So that's all for this episode. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you really found it of value. And I will see you in our next episode. And remember, never stop learning. Thanks for listening to Trademarks Made Easy with Susie Hickson, the private label lawyer. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe anywhere you find podcasts or at theprivatelabellawyer.com. Remember, the information provided in the Trademarks Made Easy podcast should not be construed as legal advice. It's for informational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered a substitute for legal advice. Also, I'm not your attorney. 
You should engage with an attorney to discuss your specific legal issues. And finally, while I have taken precautions to ensure that the content of my podcast is current and accurate, errors can occur, and thankfully, like us, the laws are ever-evolving.